Welcome to Timothy Eden Memorial Church, a place for life. Connect, participate, celebrate. Please be seated. Thank you so much, Choir School, for singing a beautiful song for us and being here and supporting us. Good morning, everyone. It has been a pleasure for me to be part of TEMC for last six years. I have loved being here and serving the next generation of our church. I just want to take a minute to say thank you for this opportunity to, for allowing me to speak today. Let us pray before we start. Lord, I pray that may the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. I pray, may this message reaches out our heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever received a family heirloom? I'm the youngest in my family, so I have never had a chance till I got engaged to Aaron. I was passed on this beautiful engagement ring that belonged to Aaron's great aunt. I still remember the day when Aaron's mom called him and asked him if he would like to give this ring to me. I was so happy and felt that being given something that's so beautiful, I must be so loved and accepted. And it's true, I have been. It's still the most precious thing I own, not because of its monetary value, but because of its legacy. It reminds me of what I have become part of and how I'm loved and appreciated. I believe TEMC is filled with the stories of legacies. After all, our church tagline is a place for life. Oftentimes, I have met someone here who started coming to church, and I will ask them, how did they know about TEMC? They often reply by saying, my grandparents were baptized here, or my great-grandparents were married here. It shows that our church has passed on faith and its legacy from generation to generation. I will go as far as saying, this is a generational church. As we continue to look more deeper into this text, I wanted to talk about this passage. As we know, Paul wrote this epistle. These are compiled letters from Paul to Timothy. As we study the life of Timothy, we discover God has given us a model on how to pass on our faith to next generation. When Paul returned to Lystra on his second mission trip around five years after his first, Timothy was a young man. It's possible that on that initial visit, Timothy's family accepted Christ. During those five years, Timothy matured in his faith under the spiritual guidance of his mother and grandmother. In Paul's last letter to Timothy, he talks about his family's spiritual environment and says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Our next generation will mimic our faith experiences. 
They pray as we have prayed in their presence. They may raise hand in worship as they see us raise our hands. Timothy is no longer acting apart. His faith has become his own. Paul has seen the evidence of this faith in Timothy's actions. Paul has become his spiritual mentor. Timothy joined Paul on his journeys and their relationship grew to the point Paul called Timothy, my true son in faith. I love their relationship. It shows the legacy of passing on wisdom and faith from one generation to another. We have been called to be Pauls in someone's life and Timothy in others. Paul is teaching Timothy to not let anyone look down on him because he's young. I would assume he was in his early 30s, so biblically I can say I'm a youth too. I don't think, I don't think my youth will agree, but anyways. Paul is giving him specific instruction on how not only to preach the gospel, but to live it out in speech and conduct. If Timothy teaches the gospel, he should apply the truth in the areas of his life, in a way he speaks and acts when he is angry, when he's upset, hurt, and grieving. That truly goes out for us too. How are we portraying ourselves to the world? What are the things we are teaching the next generation? The second thing he talks about here is to live in faith and purity. These are inner traits Paul is teaching to demonstrate love for God and for others, to live in faithfulness, to live out this faith. This word here is used as trustworthiness rather than right belief. He's asking us to live out that faith for us. Also, he focuses on purity, not just sexual purity, but integrity of our hearts. So I want to ask, how are we living these traits in our lives? Are we loving others, our next generation, or do we think of them differently? Are we, or have we judged them before even getting to know them? How are we to love them boldly and instill faith in them if we don't even take time to understand them. As we go further into the passage, it talks about devoting ourselves to public reading of the scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Listen to these words of Justin Martyr. He was an early Christian apologist and philosopher. He says, on a day called Sunday, all who live in cities or in the country gather together to one place and the memoirs of the apostles and the writing of the prophets are read as long as time permits. Then when the reader has finished, the president speaks, instructing and exhorting the people to imitate these good things. Did you notice he talks about both apostles and Old Testament's writing? Both are important, both are relevant. Also notice the length of the service, as long as the time permits. They didn't spend all day doing a church service. They gathered for worship, then got back living out their truth and faith in their community. I believe we need to do the same. This is what Justin Martyr inherited at the close of the first century. This is what Paul is instructing Timothy to do. Devote yourself to public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. 
This is what Timothy's called to do. This is what we are called to do. When we gather, lay down the word, learn and meditate, then go out and boldly live that faith. One must ask, what does it have to do with me? I would say everything. We can't give something we don't have, can we? We can't give our next generation the gift of faith if we do not live out that faith. We can't make them understand us if we haven't made time to understand them. We can see that Paul is giving Timothy specific instruction so he will succeed. He's passing on his wisdom, his faith legacy. He's taking time to write these instructions. When was the last time we took time to sit with someone younger than us, talk about life, faith, and purpose? There will always be legacy. Things will pass on to the following generation. Even if we don't leave material things behind, we'll pass on our character, hobbies, skills, and more. But is it enough? We will leave Will we leave anything behind that is beneficial in this life and eternity? The legacy of faith in Christ is the most priceless inheritance we can leave for our next generation. There are things we can do to foster an environment where faith can flourish. Even if each person must make their own decision to accept Christ, this will still be a good start. It's a legacy when we continuously demonstrate to them the worth and relevance of following Christ. When we constantly tell them what it means to live in that faith, that's a legacy that cannot be easily tossed aside. God knew the necessity of one generation passing the torch of faith to the next. He even laid out the plan for us in his word. We see in Bible when Israel was about to enter the promised land, God, through Moses, told them how important it would be to not only model faith to their children, but also purposely teach them God's word so they don't stray away from his will and blessing. You see, this is important to God. Passing on faith begins in the family home as spiritual practice. If we wish to foster knowledge and obedience of God in the lives of our own children, there are few ways we can leave a spiritual legacy. First, it starts with us. Love the next generation. Love the kid next door and the teenager across the street. Love the children at your youth and love the children at your church, even the ones who are loud and you don't seem to have anything in common with. Love them. Don't be afraid to live your faith in front of them. All the great, exciting, difficult, and messy parts, they'll see your faith is real, authentic, and relevant. Whatever age or stage we are at, God calls us to be the blessing to the next generation. Second, Please pray for them. Getting down on our knees is the best thing we could do for our next generation. It is the most powerful thing we can do for them. And there's nothing they can do about it. Even if people reject what we say, they can stop our prayers. Third, 
share your family stories with them, give testimonies of God's mighty work in our world and his steadfast love for you and your families. Include them in the narrative of the family's past. I still have vivid memories of my parents and my grandma's testimonies of faith, which has helped me to see and understand how faithful, has, how faithful God has been to my family. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, teachers, friends, I know you will make impact in the next generation. What kind of a legacy will you leave? What are we doing right now with our family to instill faith in them? What can we do? We can lead a devotional life. We can try to be influential people in their lives. Someone once said, influence is born out of trust and finds its strength in the connection of heart and soul. We are privileged that we have their ears. We must use this time wisely to build them, to encourage them, to love them. I urge our congregation to get involved in our children and, children and youth ministries. We must evaluate where we stand in the gap for our youth. How can we influence them to follow God's teaching? Not in a cutthroat way, but in a way that they will receive and want to follow him. How can we help create a safe space for them to come and wrestle with those thoughts, doubts, and their spiritual growth? How are we investing in their character? I got to learn about this church in Singapore called the Heart of God Church. They are doing some amazing God's work there. The church is run by youth, for youth, and they believe they are not the leaders of tomorrow. They are leaders of today. Their pastors will often say that next generation is not our replacement. They are our reinforcement. They wrote a book about this called Generations, a must read by Pastor Leah and Pastor Howe. In their words, I will say, let's not miss this moment to empower the next generation of world changers. In other words, let's not just invite our next generations to the party, give them seat at the table. I do believe we have done this at our church, but let's do it more. Also, I would like to encourage our amazing youth. We see you, we love you. Take time to chat with a new person at church. Say hello to them, ask them questions. I'm sure they will love it. Help out in Sunday school so you get to know the younger kids and be a good example. I know they look up to you. I know at times it is discouraging and overwhelming since we don't see results right away in these ministries. But I would like you to think with me about this scenario. 10 years from now, you're shopping at Costco. One of our youth comes to you and say, years ago, you were my youth leader, my pastor, my Sunday school teacher, my teacher, you can add X, Y, Z. You helped me. I felt loved, I felt heard. Thank you for helping me form my faith in the early years of my life. Thank you for letting me explore my doubts and always encouraging me. We want to be that leader. As a church, we want to be that safe place. In the Bible, Daniel chapter four, verses three says, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. 
His kingdom is eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. He has been faithful to us. Let's stay faithful to his word. There are so many things we can leave behind, as we surely will. But our legacy, our stories, our faith will live for generations to come. So at the end, let's focus on this. Let's together, as a church, leave a legacy of faith. As a church or their leaders, their friend, their family members, it's not on us to make them believe in Jesus. That's his job. Trust me, he got it. Our initial goal should be to make the next generation feel that they belong here so that they keep coming back. Let them come as they are. Let, let them feel loved and accepted. I would like to finish my time here by quoting one of my pastors, something which I have held close to my heart. Listen to it and discern who are these people that God is calling us to take under our wings. It says, listen more than you talk, affirm more than you rebuke, pray more than you protest, and above all, don't be afraid to love them. We're doing this for all this for the sake of a generation. We are making history here. I hope you feel encouraged and reminded that we are called to be Paul's and Timothy's in our lives. May we live in conduct and speech that reflect our fierce love and bold faith. Amen.